Hola. Hello. This call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow. Ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow. Now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispie, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. It's the fourth episode of Gig Pigs with me, Ivo Graham. And me, Alex Keeley. It's been noted by Alex on previous toppers at the start of episodes that he said, it's me, Alex Keeley, and then I've just gone straight into some other thing without even saying my own name. And is that humility or arrogance? Because it could be, they couldn't... Mm. It, is, d- it, is it, I don't want to burden you with my name, or is it, it goes without saying? <laughs> I don't really want to wrestle with the implications sure. of that. So rather than having the old humility versus arrogance chat, let's go straight to an email that we've received about me. Now, <laughs> we've been having a lovely time doing this podcast so far, and we think we've got a banging fourth episode for you in store. However, it's time to get rid of the old ado when it comes to enjoying some of the correspondence we've received at gigpigspodcast at gmail.com. Please do send more in. Oh, very much so. It would be hard, I think, for many of the messages we've received to be as specifically guilt-inducing on my part as this one. <laughs> this email from a man called William was titled, Is it content you're looking for? <laughs> much appreciated. Thank you for seeing us for who we are. Hello, pigs, brackets, gig. Finally, a podcast I can bloody relate to. As an indie weasel that had his musical coming of age in the swinging 2006s, your talk of group hug dances at Ali Pali in your mid-30s is a wheelhouse I know and love. Thank you for putting it into an audio format. However, I'm not just a consumer of your podcast. I'm an architect of it. A few months back, my wife had to drop out of seeing Confidence Man, Con Man for short, at Coco. I decided to announce the spare ticket on Twitter, hoping to find the ticket at home and maybe claw back the cash. (laughs) Almost immediately, I had a friend request from Ivo Graham. The Ivo Graham, I thought to myself, isn't he the guy that does the off-menu podcast? Why would he want to follow me on Twitter? Within moments, it all became clear. He was also looking forward to a cool party time with Con Man. He just didn't have a ticket to do so. But he wasn't from off-menu. I just had my comedians mixed up. <laughs> you're a bit from off menu. Well, you're a bit, you're a bit, I've, you're, done, I've done very well out of it. Yeah. I've got to be one of the more significant planets orbiting <laughs> off menu. Not the double sun. Not the sort of Star Wars two suns. I'm not one of the two suns. No, I'm just one, one of the more, I would say, not significant, maybe sort of desperate planets. I've put a joke from off menu in my Edinburgh poster, deliberately trying to court that kind of thing. Nonetheless, it would be very disrespectful. And it's courted William. Yes, it has. Um, Someone said to me, I don't know, again, is this an arrogant or a humble anecdote? Uh, Someone said to me at the dentist last week, you were great on Taskmaster. Especially untimely thing for that. It was like, we're very close to being able to say that. Well, again, it's another arrogant or humble, if I may, axis. I think I want to set up now a political compass of arrogant, humble on one axis and extremely in the know not at all in the know on the other oh, axis yeah, yeah, so exactly. it's like it's like are they so not in the know they've confused you with a different you <laughs> seeming comic or are they so in the know they've got one of the sort of rushes the like vimeo fast from the studio that allows them to have watched an episode a month in advance <laughs> could be either yeah i don't think this guy had the rushes 
he tried to back out of the chat pretty quickly, actually, sure, sure. Uh, as, as I gave him the full breakdown of the release dates. Yeah, and as he tried to hide the lamp that he had behind it that he was going to present to you as a sort of <laughs> as a sort of other reference to the thing that he thought you ran. No, I said, this is when it's out, and this is when my next appointment at the dentist is, so we could be having this chat as soon as mid-April. <laughs> but no, uh, I, listen, I'm very lucky to be prominent and interchangeable. <laughs> I wanted to get into Coco early, so meeting for an exchange of cash for e-ticket face-to-face wasn't an option time-wise, but I figured surely I could trust a guy with an eating education. So I sent the e-ticket safe in the knowledge that multi-millionaire Ivo would find 30 seconds in his evening to transfer the money. There's lots about that I don't love, but we won't, we won't stay on it. <laughs> I saw Ivo inside and drunkenly introduced myself expecting a wad of 20s to grease my palm. They never came. I partied unsure if I'd been hoodwinked and scammed by a man that once guest hosted the Ellis James and John Rodbins podcast. <laughs> the anxiety went on long into the weekend. The lack of communication slash backs transfer was palpable. I almost gave up, but all I had to do was ask three times over Twitter and wait a week for Ivan to finally address me and transfer the money. It really was that simple. The show was, of course, excellent, and I gained a follower brackets slash friend. Gig pigs forever, William. Uh, now... <laughs> I, I'm, of course, very embarrassed by that. I've gone over the correspondence and it's, it's not quite the sort of desert of tumbleweed that's implied. Sure. Of course, I should set store in these things by not requiring any nudges. And I particularly don't like having, it was quite stressful going to Confidence Man. We had an unwieldy group. A lot of the tickets had been bought via resales. And so we're on sort of separate emails. I was struggling with all the barcodes and we were right at the back. So the dream Confidence Man gig, hoping to replicate their amazing set at Glastonbury last year, it wasn't really feasible. So actually bumping into William was lovely. But the last thing I was administratively ready for was then to be doing some cash payments. And it's not unreasonable not to always have cash on you in these situations now crucially was a three days of stress loss his amusing bank reference gain Ooh, i do Did like get to punish back, you back with reference. Some, um i think to the I, point that i've had to almost ask you to do less amusing bank <laughs> references so i can separate like a personal repayment for like us having got dinner versus like an actual business expense or payment for support work. yeah do you say anything remotely sort of catchphrase in the sort of same yeah. day that you ask for some money it's a horrible way of putting it send a legitimate invoice uh <laughs> <laughs> then you're in real trouble. And it's so important to remember how quickly those things disappear. It's a bit like when I put jokes in a calendar and then get a few months later and I've just got a Saturday night blocked out and there's just a joke in there. And I'm like, it must be quite an important sentimental thing because what I've done is I've put it in my calendar to amuse the person, taken a photograph of me putting this. But then you're like, I've blocked out this night, I think something important's in, but I haven't described what it is at all, because when I sent the person the photo of it in my calendar, I wanted it to just be funny. Oh, dear. <laughs> I think William received the payment reference Cool Party. That's all right. Which is the Confidence Man song, although it's got some full stops in it, which you can't do in a banking reference. Anyway, um, but the thought of actually at the gig, at the back of a crowded Coco, him having the worry during the gig... Not just a sort of low-level sort of worry about the backs after the gig. I'm really sorry, William. And, and the email is so upbeat that I don't think it feels like a full castigation. But I'm sure. castigated. Sure, sure. 
I'd say the tone of the email is wry, fundamentally knowing at the end of the day, you were good for it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Thank you for that. That's a, that's a potentially generous summary, but there we go. Also, Confidence Man, we went to, as part of our big group with Sophie Duca. This was, I think, before fully devising gig pigs and just wanting to get some friends to watch one of the great live bands, I think, of the last couple of years, who you can see at all manner of UK festivals. We talked with Sophie after the event about doing a Confidence Man episode, but I think too much time has passed, so we'll be gig picking with her elsewhere. I think we will do a Confidence Man episode at some point. We'll just have to have watched them at one of these other music festivals. I'd really love to because they've been a breath of fresh air. And William, I hope you felt the same and that the air wasn't made too putrid by my lack <laughs> of ethics. <laughs> <laughs> but we've got some other correspondence, which is more about general gig going etiquette. And, and, and it's a, it's a gig big podcast. It's not purely a resource for me to be chased up. Yeah. <laughs> Although, of course, it's all content. So do any sort of <laughs> any sort of bells that you felt that Ivo took a while to. And we are to going to gigs where often they're sold out. And so we do have to keep eyes peeled on Twickets, which is a great legitimate fan to fan. And notionally safe, although William might have felt otherwise, resale. As you know, he did it via Twitter. But Amazing. Are we now just plugging the email addresses if you realise you don't need a ticket for any gig? <laughs> just give, give us an email anyway just to check in. That could be unmanageable. We are good for it. We, are, we will be good for it. <laughs> Keep your emails coming in and let's talk about this episode, which is episode four. Yes. And it was an absolute treat. We took Tom Rosenthal, fantastic comedian, comedy actor. You'll know him from plebs and Friday night dinner and all manner of things all over your TV. Yes. Also some lovely stand-up on various topics, most recently, his penis. Absolutely fantastic show. Yes, indeed. Manhood. But I would say more of an agnostic when it comes to live music, as is covered in this, <laughs> in this episode. Tom and I have danced together at many a festival and warehouse, but in terms of going to see some lads or ladies with your standard guitar, bass and drums arrangement... I'd say he's got limited experience or interest. Sure. As long as you deduct one of those instruments from the three. <laughs> oh, yeah, he's, exactly. He's bang into it if you delete the guitar. <laughs> Get rid of the guitar um, and the vocals um, and, and, and just a lot of the sort of warm early evening vibes. What he does love is a gallivant. And this was undeniably a gallivant. This was not meeting up with strangers in Camden on the desperate hope of getting into Coco and potentially not paying a dime for it. This was a really lovely, basically the holiday that we elected to take because I was desperate to see the band Phoenix. Phoenix are one of my favourite bands. Their album Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix is, I would say, one of my top ten, if not five albums of all time. They're a luscious French pop band, singing in English mostly, and they've continued to release great albums over the last 15 years. I've been lucky to see them a couple of times already. I really wanted to make them a pig project as early as possible. And in what merry circumstances we saw them absolutely a big pig conversion for me i've moved from loving 1901 and listomania to being a sort of a fully fledged phoenix fan now but we thought you can get a train to belgium we can see a continental band on the continent and we can have a lovely dinner of stump beforehand so this is a fun episode which is as much i would say about larking about as it is the specifics of going to a gig but I enjoyed the night so much and enjoyed listening back to this. And I think you'll enjoy listening to it too. So here is us taking Tom Rosenthal to see Phoenix. Alex, do you want to tell the listener where we are? We are recording 
one of the early episodes oh, yeah. of Gig Pigs. We're mm. not committing now to which. No. Somewhere between episode two and five. Yes, exactly. Two. Well, because we're reviewing one of the first gigs we've been to as part of the project, but none of the project has thus far seen the light of day. So no feedback can have been taken on board yet. <laughs> we're still very much in the hubris. Do you say... <laughs> <laughs> Do send any feedback and we will probably be able to start changing it around episode 10. <laughs> episode 10 is the yeah, first time that we exactly. do that. Exactly. But these will be these sort of pristine failures. Like, we didn't even know. Yeah, 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 exactly. And we've got with us today Tom Rosenthal, a man who I think has implied that he has probably guested on more podcasts than he's listened to. Is that, is that fair? What a cool, what a cool thing to be able to say. You, it's like flex. Michael Owen must have been in more films than he's watched, right? He must, just, just in the background of like an episode of Lost when that character really likes football, is watching it in the pub. It is definitely a close call. I don't like them, a lot of them. Mm. Very inane. <laughs> I, don't think we're, I don't think we're changing the dial completely on that front. <laughs> First AIM podcast. No no inanity here, just full anity. I mean, why would you listen to this? You could just like listen to Tolstoy or something. Why would you listen to this? All the great books that were written and I could just consume you saying you can't have a para- You can't have a parasocial relationship with Leo Tolstoy. You can't think, if I see Big Thief in April, I might bump into Leo Tolstoy. Whereas, you know, there's the chance. There's <laughs> the chance. There's the chance. might bump into you. Yeah, yeah, exactly. into you, didn't they, at the concert? Who was that person? Have we mentioned that? Yes, exactly. That's one of the things I remember, my, one of the very few things I remember. My friend Blythe uh, was there at the, at the concert. She was very excited to see you, and you clearly didn't recognise her for about five really? seconds. Well, I'm very excited. <laughs> <laughs> We're just going <laughs> <laughs> Which I think is completely fair, Blythe, if you are listening, because you marched over having seen Alex on the other side of the room, and it was flashing lights in the yeah, exactly. Game. You planned it, Blythe. And, you know, you did a face of like, oh, you know, we're in Belgium, like, well, what's going on? And then you did recognise Yes, exactly. So it's more... it's more no knowledge of who it was. You don't... It's like seeing your teacher in the supermarket. It was exactly it's, like that. We're in Brussels. Not, you, you know, you're not expecting someone that you worked at a Welsh philosophy festival with. There you go. To be to be in Brussels. Also, I was coming to fuck. <laughs> sure. Well, we get so so. Okay. So we've teased Tom being gummy to fuck at some point in this expedition. Let's first get a little bit more information about Tom Rosenthal for our listener. What's your name? Oh, Tom Rosenthal. How many <laughs> how many gigs would you estimate you've been to in the last calendar year? Oh, probably say under ten. I don't think there's any shame in under ten. First gig ever. My first gig ever, it was either M People or Simply Red. Very nice. What's your best gig of all time? I, 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 Favourite gig? I went to the Miami Winter Music Conference in 2012 and I saw Dead Mouse at... Dead Mouse uh, 5? Dead Mouse 5, yes. I think we're above that. Um, at uh, Amnesia Miami. I feel Dead Mouse... Dead Mouse. Um, sure. Really buried the lead on the. Did you say the Winter Music Conference in Miami? Yeah, yeah. yeah. That, so what? Me it, and the boys. Is that like a festival or a? Um, well, a, this is. A, <laughs> what is it? Is it B two B marketing? Is it just other musicians there? We, we're like, what, I forgot about this. We we actually did come slightly a cropper in that one of my friends bought a pass to all the events at the Miami Winter Music Conference, assuming that meant that you got into all of the like live music events. But actually it was just loads of conferences about music software. <laughs> <laughs> it was like genuinely like an industry meetup for DJs. So right. you could go and learn about like Audible or being a music agent. Was anyone in your group aspiring in that direction? No, I, I wanted to go to a talk about synthetic percussion or whatever, but they were just also collectively furious at this guy who'd made us buy these passes, which were like $400 each. 
Because he was like, it gets you into everything. And it's like, yeah, it does. But it's the stuff at 11 a.m. It's about... <laughs> no conferences off limits. <laughs> but no, the Winter Music Conference is a thing that people go to to, like, dance and rave. But it's also an industry... Up in the morning for a conference about... Yeah, with some coffee logic pastries. Precisely, yeah. So you've got Daft Punk there, but they're in suits, giving a presentation with their robot hats on. <laughs> um, how does Dead Mouse make his mouse hats? And they do a little five-a-side football tournament afterwards where it's helmet acts versus non-helmet <laughs> acts. Dead man five-a-side. Dead man five-a-side. <laughs> uh, so how long was that for? I, I really... We went for a week. We hit some pool parties. It was pretty cool. Where was it? In Miami. Oh, yeah. We were just some, like, early 20s losers who were heading out to try and be cool bros. And we achieved it for thousands of dollars, <laughs> which gave us access to events we didn't want to go to. <laughs> but yeah, I'm a dance head. I like the bleeping noises. And Dead Mouse has like incredible visual effects. Not unlike the ones that we enjoyed in Brussels, but just... What was a bit of that? Much bigger yeah. and kind of scarier. Right. It has like a big like octopus, or you kind of think that you're going down into the gaping depths of hell. And I find that to be quite an exhilarating experience <laughs> in you between, sort of in between the conferences. Hell a little bit. But, oh, yeah, I did. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I think in general, bands and particularly DJs sort of underuse the potential of the backdrops. But maybe that's an easy thing to say when you're not putting together every single aspect of a concert and it really is mainly about the music. So Ivo suggested this trip. I was absolutely delighted with the speed we went from idea to completion of idea. Having lamented that I was unable to see one of my favorite bands, Phoenix, during their one UK tour date in November, because I had my own less well-attended tour date on the same night. Um, <laughs> I don't know why I need to bring that in. It was fine in Nottingham, just not as many as Phoenix, but uh, I don't need to tie myself in knots about that. But Alexis Petridis said it was worth attending your tour. Um, yeah, no, no, I suppose what I don't like about that amongst others is that it got four stars from The Guardian, but go out to Brussels off the back of Phoenix getting four stars in The Guardian. I know they're uh, fantastic. I've had the privilege of seeing them live twice before, three times, once earlier early this year. So I, was, I wasn't in need of Phoenix, but I was sad that we'd missed them. We obviously were in the phase we've now entered into of actively looking for fun concerts to go and see. And yeah, I suppose the four stars from Alexis Petridis in The Guardian must have tipped me over the edge because suddenly I was reflecting on the fact that it was basically as cheap to get to Brussels as it was to Nottingham via train. Although I actually drove to Nottingham in the end, but that's not important. Uh, <laughs> and then Tom, with whom we've enjoyed these sorts of impulse plans in the past, mm. despite your Phoenix apathy. Yes. I thought you'd be a solid contender to come. Well, I'm lonely and not busy, so yeah, get me involved. <laughs> <laughs> you want to do this random thing you don't really want to do? Yeah, go on then. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what was the second half? This random thing you don't really want to do? No, it wasn't that I, don't, I didn't. Not, not, not that I didn't want to do it. Yeah, it's I not like you, I, I just didn't have an active that. desire to do it either. Do you mm. know what I mean? Yes, okay. I suppose you, you, wouldn't, you wouldn't have thought to do precisely. Thing, yeah. You were like, look, a Phoenix going to give some business presentations the next day. I'm <laughs> on board. We got you the access all areas. What part of Belgium felt off limits to you? We, the, the access all areas pass we gave you was you putting all of our codes in the lockers halfway through the gig. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a nice break, actually. Right. <laughs> the cloakroom. I can't hear this. It was 1901, the cloakroom, Listomania were your top three moments of the, of the Man, night. I'm worrying about the fact that he probably even bumped the cloakroom up above 1901, or as you called it throughout Friday Night Dinner. <laughs> 
<laughs> we're talking about Phoenix, I curate a 10 song Phoenix playlist. Phoenix play more than 10 songs at their gigs and I love more than 10 Phoenix songs, but in an attempt to be reasonable with my playlist, I didn't, I didn't want to sort of carpet bomb you a few days before the gig. I sent you a 10 song career spanning playlist and I think you texted maybe half an hour before we were due to meet at St Pancras, saying all of the songs sound like interstitial music from Made in Chelsea. And the problem is, that, that's not not true, you know, with Phoenix. They have achieved a sort of high-end gloss, which it is befitting to those slightly shimmering tens shots uh, on, on, on those sorts of things. Um, you know, a, a sort of a delicate moment between Sam and Zara. But it's a huge skill that I believe they have perfected and honed there's still a lot of heart to it. They dabble in electro as well. There's something quite sort of French and whimsical about it. You said this is, this is generic interstitial music from TV shows. And then the next text was, oh wait, one of them's generic interstitial music from my sitcom. So I'm listening to this band and I was about to write a joke about how the music just sounds like the music you get in between scenes from sitcoms I don't resonate with, but then the second song I listen to is like being used in Friday night dinner all the time. <laughs> right. Yeah. It made me feel like there was some sort of higher reason for the trip beyond just a kind of bizarre sojourn. It felt like the universe actually dragging me to Brussels and advocating for me to go on this adventure. A lot of actors don't even watch their own work. Whereas Tom will watch every band that's ever been featured in any of the sitcoms live at some point in his career, just to feel like he's completed it. Friday Night Dinner Fest, only bands have been featured in interstitials. Well, it would be the, only, the ones I remember, and to be honest, it also made me feel guilty about not being as much of a Friday Night Dinner completist as I've probably claimed to you to be in the past. A couple of shandies deep. But I, I think of it very distinctly as Little Boots. Um, yeah, well, that's the main song. And then Mika Snow, which is... Yeah. Da, 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 da. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But anyway, Phoenix are in there as well. And, you know, fingers crossed they're seeing some lovely return on investment. Not that a song needs further promotion. So you knew Friday Night Dinner, and I think you did mention that you'd liked a long instrumental track called Love Like a Sunset. Yeah, didn't play that. Yeah, well, they did, actually. <laughs> that, was, that was the one where we, where, where we literally went to space. Ah. We'll get to that. What was really nice was that we were, obviously it's a great privilege to be able to do a jaunt like this, even with or without the sort of loosest of professional justifications. But the three of us and Rose travelled out after some paperwork-based faff from me, a lovely and very straightforward time. And then we checked into a lovely Airbnb and then we had a lovely sort of Belgian dinner at a restaurant called Nuit Nijnouf. <laughs> and we drank some high-strength beer and ate some lovely meat-based dishes and watched the reflection of Australia versus France mm. um, <laughs> through flat. two windows away from the restaurant. The conversation was flowing. It had a lovely holiday vibe to the point where me insisting that we needed to leave the restaurant in something of a hurry to get to the Ancien Belgique on time, I felt like I was sort of joylessly crowding in on the holiday. Also quite a funny moment when we were trying to watch the football in this person's flat when I think someone who was sort of like slightly half naked walked past and was like, yeah, get out, get out of the way. We're trying to stare at your flat, not to perv on you. But it's the only way we can watch Australia football. <laughs> First half through a window of a restaurant, second half while we were basically in the Ancien Belgique where I insisted there was no time to get drinks or go to the cloakroom before the start. But I don't want to slightly betray 
have a lot of discussions with Alex about how I don't check the set list beforehand uh, because I want to experience it as fresh as possible. But I did know because I'd previously read the set list for their London tour date, thinking that I wasn't going to get a chance to see them anyway, and it didn't matter. I knew that they were starting with my favourite song. So I think a little bit of tension entered my game in those last, <laughs> in those last few minutes before the concert started. Does that correspond with your memories of the night as it worked? Yeah, also I think we both mutually like queued for tokens. Remember there's like a token system at the uh, Ancien Belgique? Yes. I think that maybe like took an extra minute or two. I think there was a palpable sense of frustration, I think, at that slight mix-up. Because even though I thought it was good to open the doors as the song was starting... It was great. I felt very filmic. Yes. Retrospectively, I heard that you didn't really like, you would have preferred... (laughs) (laughs) I let retrospectively work its way back to you. (laughs) I, I feel like you muttered it into your hands. (laughs) <laughs> on the journey home. How would you ideally start a concert as the connoisseurs? I think for a band of the amount of affection I have for Phoenix, it was quite a good, I agree with Tom, and I quite enjoyed. Doors directly open, bang, you're in the crowd in a sort of reasonably good I felt like they were starting slot. for us. Like yeah, yeah, no, no. Yeah. It was well-timed <laughs> to, the, to the point of seconds. Backstage, they were like, les cochons de concert arrivent. Oh, les cochons de concert. <laughs> Fantastic. And I'm the one with the degree in it. But I wouldn't have braved that. In this scenario, where we only had a certain amount of time to enjoy our curious holiday to Belgium, I really thought it was very important that we have a nice dinner, and it was fantastic. And the jeopardy really didn't last very long, and I didn't begrudge the dinner. I think if I've got the time to, and I'm in my, uh, particularly in my hometown, and if I've got any musical curiosity about it at all, you're arriving in time for a bit of the support so as to feel like you've explored a little further, got a little more bang for your buck, and then got yourself into good position with a bit of anticipation time for the band starting. Mm. The cynical arrive two songs before the end of the support to say that you've sort of seen the support, yeah. seen that final song, and then get to move against the wave of the crowd going back for drinks to be able to get yourself a better mm-hmm. slot. You've described the, that perfectly. I think what you're describing there is 8.20 p.m. <laughs> um, so I thought, you know, I was the champion of Phoenix here. I'd been, as well as loving them myself for years, I'd been really buoyed by a friend of mine called Ben with whom I saw them at Primavera in the summer who'd not heard of them and didn't know any of the songs and wasn't in Friday night dinner, having interstitial <laughs> bits of Phoenix on a sort of loop of his own career for over a decade. But, and they should update the songs, really. Uh, but Ben said that for a band he knew nothing about, it was one of the best gigs he'd ever been to. Obviously, other factors in play. So I was like, I got it into my head like, you could take anyone to see Phoenix and they'd just understand immediately. And maybe we entered a little bit too sort of boss level with one of the most sort of apathetic sort of <laughs> indie rock fans Yeah, on the, on the circuit. Yeah, well, I like what I like. Oh, yeah. And it's not like I disliked it. It's like a cultural experience. It was a cultural experience. I just find it all a little bit, uh, what's the opposite of intense? It's all a bit surface for me. Like there's not enough octopuses taking you into the depths of hell. To the point of zero. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was the two bits of Phoenix's rider that the Ancien Belgique violated. No yellow M&Ms, there were plenty of yellow M&Ms, and also there were no, no octopuses taking you to the depths But it's not just that, it's, it's like sonically as well, it's like, I just prefer music, I mean, it, and it can apply to like classical music as well, it like resonates with you on like a very deep, scary level, like the vibrations of it. You know, I like like drum and bass, or I like dubstep or whatever these things that they literally vibrate and they kind of get me more in the gut whereas i honestly feel like i'm watching an advert sometimes when they're playing their music <laughs> I, oh bearing in mind that i remember barely any of the songs because i was really high on marijuana <laughs> <laughs> 
having managed as a group to get hold of some, some, some edible materials, there was a slight sort of quantitative misunderstanding at your end. It was a classic mix-up. Which, which meant that classic basically the second half of the gig is pretty sort of off-limits memory-wise. I don't take gummies very often. I don't really enjoy marijuana, so I didn't really know how it much you're supposed to eat. And I the whole sort of supply... <laughs> uh, and so basically so, so that gave me the intense feelings that I was after yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Like, it really did feel like I was going to the pits of hell yeah yeah so, I, pa I passed you a bit of octopus the, <laughs> the specifics of like what song from which episode of Made in Chelsea was playing at which time I couldn't really be on top of but I did feel a bit scared to be alive <laughs> <laughs> so it was great like, really good gig, but it was not much to do with the source material. Sure. Apart from the visuals, again. I thought as a band, the background visuals were like top level and only bettered by Dead Mouse or Dead Mouse oh, Live yeah. at the Miami Winter Music Conference. <laughs> That's a genuine compliment. Yeah, I'm yeah. I'm having a go at this concert you brought me to, which yeah. I found the music quite anodyne, because the experience <laughs> was extremely intense, which is what I, what I want. Hola. Hello. This call is being translated. Abuela, listen to what my phone can do. Abuela, escucha lo que mi teléfono puede hacer. Wow. Ahora dime sobre tu novia nueva. Wow. Now tell me about this new girlfriend. Huh? Tú sabes lo que dije. You know what I said. Language is no longer a barrier. Thanks to Live Translate with Galaxy AI on Samsung Galaxy S24 Ultra. Learn more at Samsung.com. Samsung account login required. Calls must be made using the native Samsung dialer. <sighs> Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Free samples, free shipping, and our 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step and into your home too. Shop Blinds.com now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy, so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. So famously, during the Second World War, Winston Churchill tested out rations to see whether there would be enough to feed him because he didn't want the British people to mm. uh, go without. Really? And he said it was, uh, he, he experienced it and he said that it was live offable, but the meme about it supposedly is that what he did is he accidentally ate a week's worth of rations yeah. in a day. And he was like, I don't know what everyone's, <laughs> yeah. I don't know what everyone's complaining about. Uh, 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 <laughs> this seems fine. <laughs> this seems a fine amount of butter and meat to have. And I feel like you did that with the gummies that you sort of, Winston Churchill rationed. No, I, I ate too much, man. Yeah, I was yeah. not fine with the amount that I Right, ate. right. <laughs> this guy, this you, you were a bloated before. Winston Churchill. I was getting... This is too much food. Yeah, precisely. Like, sicking up your rations. That's what I was doing. It was... Uh, I wasn't sick, to be fair. But I had a very intense you, moment yeah. in the cloakroom. And crucially also, for the second half of the gig, once you come back from the cloakroom. Yeah, yeah, you described the encore as them leaving the stage for ages halfway through. <laughs> <laughs> like, sense of what's happened when at this gig is I said, I said there was a half time. Yeah, yeah. And I was going, why did they stop for like 40 minutes? And everyone just stood around. And that just didn't happen, apparently. No, I didn't have a five minute break. Oh, God. <laughs>
<laughs> yeah. To be honest, though obviously I don't revel in the aspects of it that were more stressful for you, I'm glad that whatever factors there were in ramping it up into a bit more of an adventure, that's obviously good news. Because I, both for your sake and selfishly, I want the people around me to be enjoying it for me to be able to hit my own max capacity. Mm, it was mm. such an immediate sense. And to be honest, I remember reading a tweet once where it said, no matter how much I'm enjoying a concert, I always secretly want it to be over. And then it got like 40,000 retweets. <laughs> and I kind of think about that at least once a concert where I'm like, even though I really enjoy it, I'm like, do I still want it to be over though? As a sort of like, whether through like physical laziness or mental laziness. I want this to be in the memory bank already. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Turn it into my memory now. Also, at the start of the concert, because we were kind of at the side of the bottom, and yep. there were some like balconies, which was very beautiful. Yes, beautiful venue, fantastic venue, definitely, definitely worth a trip. Was it you who said like spot the person who's enjoying it the least on the balcony, and yep. that became my favourite thing about the? Concert. Well, that, I don't give myself too much credit for the uh, sort of activity program that I drew up for you, but I thought that, that might be a good. You know, we can all sort of passively lean into that. Is it clearly a parent? <laughs> but, like, but like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you've given Tom a task on a long car journey to occupy <laughs> yeah, him. That's what I would like. Not all of the I think I've got was. three photos of people I'm really not enjoying right. the concert. <laughs> yeah, I mean, obviously, it gives and it takes away that game because on the one hand, hopefully it's a fun individual or group project and discussion point. But also, the last thing I want to be doing when I'm persuading people that this is a sort of overwhelmingly <laughs> joyful experience to be like, and look at all those bored twats up on the balcony. <laughs> um, although there were some people who enjoyed it. Obviously, oh. the arms against boredom were the fact that a, some Phoenix songs are well-known. B, they're quite sort of fun and melodic, but also strong visuals and then sort of venue-based game that we could be playing. Yeah. But I was thinking already in terms of, oh, that covers us for an hour and a half. <laughs> rather than like, like, sufficiently. It sort of did. With a little it? break. <laughs> Go get some drinks. <laughs> You've talked about the dead mouse being dragged to the depths of hell visuals, yeah. but obviously we got Love Like a Sunset. We got a little science lesson. And we got, yeah. picture this, you're lying on the grass in New York. You've got Phoenix hovering with a drone right above your head and a sign saying one meter. Was it New York? Was that, I think it starts in New York. Was that, did you have a sense of where it was? Where I didn't. I didn't really notice it started. That's no, what I miss. I miss. I miss quite a lot of it. And then it's like, oh, this is. Like, this must have been happening sometimes. Like going back. And then did you? Did <laughs> you also think? Okay, he's not really explaining what's happening. Basically, what yeah. happens is you're like. You, you can see I, can a person I, it's it's like worth saying that Phoenix have a long instrumental groove essentially called "Love Like a Sunset." It's in the middle of their Wolfgang Which, Amadeus. I would Phoenix say appeals album. a bit more to your sort oh, of more dance oriented thing already. Yeah. So, but basically, it starts zooming out of a person who's lying in a park. And then it zooms out to like the city of New York. And then it zooms out to like the country of America. If it is New York. Then it zooms out to like the planet Earth. Then it zooms out to our solar system. Then it zooms out to my knowledge of space isn't quite good enough, but what would be like our galaxy maybe. <laughs> yep. And then it. And then lots of galactic clusters. And... and then you're going out and out and out. And the entire time it's going out, it's tracking how many miles away you are from the person. All in meters. In All keeps in meters. And then picometers and massive 10 to the power of. 20. Oh. I remember at that point shouting NASA lies because <laughs> I've been watching documentaries about the Earth being flat. I, I tried to help Tom by I just googled what the Flemish is for NASA lies. <laughs> that was that it. was I think my favourite bit of the concert actually. <laughs> <laughs> but then it starts zooming all the way back in and it gets back to the person lying on the park in New York and then it goes like into his like skin and it went down to like the tiniest measurements and I remember you muttering about how that is just pointless. I didn't want to be so deep in the person's skin. <laughs> I didn't like it at all. Then the other visual that I remember was a sort of odd robot lady 
who he sort of like proposed to. Oh, yes. yes. But it was like Robot if she were like the angel of death. She was all coke I love this stuff. Interesting. I wrote in my phone notes, <laughs> Thomas Mars kneels before the Countess. <laughs> so, so we all projected different mm. things onto it. Some of it feels incredibly sort of cool and calculated and synthetic, and then some of it is very cheesy at points. It was an encore where it was just a singer, Thomas Mars, and one of the other band members just on the sort of harpsichord playing some of their more woozy ballads. That was syrupy to the point of hyperglycemia. <laughs> and of course, I was still enjoying it, and I had a pretty strong sense of what they were going to bring it home with. Friday night dinner, and they did. Um, my favourite visual was they played a new song called After Midnight, and you were zooming through the city on a car. Yes. Uh, and I enjoyed that a lot. It was a real, um, the first time that you put Gran Turismo into your PlayStation, uh, the video that you can't skip vibes. In a, in a good way. In a good, you can't. But also I said, you can't skip it. Des <laughs> desperate to skip it, but you can't. Uh, it's another yeah. solid dream. Phoenix won't let you. About the whole concert. <laughs> Can we go back to the Belgian restaurant? You can't skip it. That's what you're here for. <laughs> I just want to watch France Australia, really, but... <laughs> so in our rating system, out of a possible five pegs, it's, I just want to watch France Australia. <laughs> visuals are a nice reference point, occasionally a bit glib. I think I said to Rose at one point that one of the visuals looked like the sort of trainers that you would wear, in terms of just, like, slightly random patterns for the sake of random patterns. Mm. I love that. Very colourful, like strong colours. Yeah, some strong colours. Uh, and then some, like, like a palace at one point. And, yeah. oh, one where he's filming the crowd and that's being really I remember that. that. Yeah, that was and I definitely, nice. so there's like a camera playing at the crowd yeah. and everyone's trying to get seen. And I am convinced I saw myself <laughs> for like quite a long time looking quite haunted. Right. <laughs> but I also remember thinking, because it was scanning the crowd so fast, I remember thinking it was very unlikely that I had seen myself. Like, and I, then I remember thinking about that's really interesting that I have thought that I've seen myself for a long period of time, despite the fact that, like, logically, I haven't seen myself for that amount of time. And then I remember hearing Ivo getting quite irate that they hadn't seen him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was really fun, actually. Two, yeah. two great Ivo moments in that gig. Firstly, uh... well, obviously, the headline incident, humiliation-wise, was me attempting to pass Tom the fatal edible, but accidentally putting it into the pocket of a Belgian stranger the same height and build as Tom. <laughs> and me being convinced that I was doing a very, a very neat bit of business. Like, not that I had to be doing it in sort of secrets if we were being watched, but just that I was just like, I'll just put it straight into Tom's pocket, and then there it is. <laughs> but being aware that I was being met with some resistance, but ploughing pretty merrily on. <laughs> And then, crucially, <laughs> Ivo said... Looking up at the Belgian guy, and he went, don't worry, it's me! <laughs> <laughs> and I, I remember, like, yeah, catching the eye of this Belgian man. I was surprised by the amount of time that he allowed you to have... <laughs> My hand, in his, hand in his pocket. Yeah. You just think most people would immediately be like, this is a thief. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He seemed to have the energy of, like, what's this... <laughs> what's, this what's this friendly man putting in my pocket? <laughs> Well, I was a friendly man. It was an entirely innocent and harmless gesture. Uh, but it was also a, a physical assault, I assume, by some definitions. Don't and worry. he appeared to be on a date of some sort. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe he's trying to just ride it off. Maybe, yeah, you, Brits. You, you, yeah, it's classic, you, classic red flag on a date, isn't it? It was a bit rude to that pickpocket, so yeah. I think... Uh, <laughs> I don't know. I think if give, you... Give him a swerve. If you lamp a British podcaster on a date, you know, <laughs> I, I, I think it's game over. Yeah, that's why it's whether their hand was in your pocket or not. Yeah, that's what happens in Back to the Future when his photograph starts changing. 
because he, he lamps, a, lamps a pickpocket on a date and his mum's like, I think I might fuck my son now, actually. <laughs> wow. Um, I've never heard the plot of Back to the Future summed up that concisely before. <laughs> but I, I suppose, obviously, I knew that that had been an error on my part bit one that we've been able to reminisce about since but I think in general I was very excited to be seeing Phoenix and regardless of Tom's reservations and my knowledge of Tom's reservations and the only partial success of the spot the board person on the balcony game by midway through as the hits kept coming and the visuals kept changing into something new and delightful I was having a great time I was bouncing up and down and while I'd like to think I was doing pure vertical bouncing, I became aware of having a bit more space as the game went on. And I think I said to you at one point, am I paying a nuisance? And you said, well, you can talk about it on the podcast, which wasn't a no, really, at the time. I, uh, I think you were inspired by the universal zoom outs of Love Like a Sunset to explore the full possibilities of three-dimensional dancing at the gig. And some people were keen to give me sort of thousands of kilometres of birth as well. <laughs> but what do you make about the average person at that gig. I would associate the kind of level of energy that you were bringing to watching a band to be quite normal, but it felt like there was, I wouldn't want to say like highfalutin, but there was a lot of people at the back who kind of sat down and consuming it more as you would a kind of concert than mm. a gig. Well, it's very easy to make sort of lazy cultural projections onto just being in Brussels and being at the classy ancien Belgique and just everything just coming with a little bit more Refinement, um, continental your, cool. Your bouncing didn't quite. Well, and also they're an, an ongoing and still relevant band, but the commercial peak was in 2010. And I think the slightly middle-aged nature of the audience was inevitably going to reflect that. And we weren't right at the front. We would buy the doors that we'd entered by. The proper boppers are going to get there a little bit earlier than 8.47. I think we were getting some frosty faces because we left Europe. <laughs> there was a bit of that as well. We left Europe, but, but we still continue to come to Europe and ruin it. And, uh, that was the vibe. Though actually, we had a German and a New Zealander in our midst. It was far from just the, uh, the straight-up bunch of eaten-educated continent ruiners that they might have written us off as. Just a bit of fun where Tom got recognised at the... Uh, at New Ignition, got recognised by a very friendly, I want to say, German. What do you think he... What was his name? Well, crucially, just not from Britain. Basically, very nice man. Came up to Tom in the restaurant, said he was a big fan, got him to sign mm. something for his kids. Said his like, family wouldn't forgive him if I didn't yeah, sign Yeah, very <laughs> nice. <laughs> very sweet guy. Was blocking Australia-France a little bit, yeah, <laughs> view-wise. But clearly such a big fight in a fan that he was going to watch the concert so he could hear the song as well. well exactly. Yeah, well, I thought it was Plebs, wasn't it? it? Was, I think it was Plebs. He was a big fan. Yeah. Yeah. So sort of picked, picked apart some lovely... But we bumped into him the next day at the Eurostar. We only realised then that he was also there for the gig. I think some of his family were already there. I don't know. Of course, we were advocating international travel for gigs, as long as ideally it's as environmentally conscious as possible. But it was surprising <laughs> to have someone else doing it. Are you yeah. bringing him up because he complimented your sophistication in your music tastes? Well, crucially, he did do that. And he, I think he'd have been less likely to do that if he'd seen anything, what actually happened in the gig. <laughs> <laughs> sort of alternately, sort of. Uh, Scummied up, going, who's the sad person over there? Just sort of tearing up his poster of plebs after seeing our <laughs> reprobate behaviour at L'Anchon Belgique. That guy's pickpocketing the person next to him, and that guy looks like he wants to <laughs> die. <laughs> and they've, tra they've travelled for this. <laughs> Remembering when I had to go down and get the coats at the end of the gig, that's yeah. the only other thing that I can really contribute, <laughs> where, still in my state of disrepair, I went to go and get all the coats that I had kindly put Very in kindly, the locker. you did that full round. It was kind for you, because you were enjoying the concert, and to myself, because I wanted a break. So I walked down, and I put it in this 
quite like low ceiling from my memory, quite sort of cavernous locker system, which on going down a for a second time with lots of people in the gig became very scary to me. <laughs> it became what I can only describe as sort of like an Indiana Jones-esque pit of despair <laughs> that there was no obvious escape for. That's the name of the fifth one, right? And so I, I messaged you on the WhatsApp group, this is not a job for one very high person. Right. And then I said, I'm buried alive. Don't exactly feel like this isn't a panic attack. <laughs> Don't trust myself to use my hands. <laughs> And I remember having my back to the locker and just praying that you would come down to help me because I thought that if I moved, the coats would somehow spill out of a locked locker and like go underneath all the other lockers. <laughs> uh, that's my last, that's my strongest memory of the gig, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, like, well. Quite genuine terror for your coats and my life because I was breathing quite shallowly at that point and I didn't really know how to get well, out. Well, we'll get a, a lovely juxtaposition between your locker room fear mm. and I think we'll probably drop in some audio that we took on an iPhone just after the gig and I think you sound like you're having a whale of time. <laughs> I think there's... Well, you've been I released from his Indiana Jones. I'm just happy to be alive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I don't care how many stars out of five the gig was. I like existing. Tasting fresh Belgian air again. Obviously, it's very much a guest-focused project. We've brought you to Brussels on the assurance that Phoenix are a great live band. Have we promised too much or have we delivered? Well, is this, is this the format? Basically, you don't get the sound of a, of a sort of van reversing in a recording studio. And you know exactly the revs, the revs of motorcycles. You know we were really here in Brussels. We've got access to revvingmotorcycle.mp3. But I'll tell you who was really hitting fifth gear tonight. It was the sweet synths of Phoenix. It really felt like hit after hit, apart from a few more self-consciously moody ones. Tom, did you prefer the hits or the moody ones? I like both of them the same. Yes. <laughs> He liked the moody Eyes. ones. I saw him all loving the moody ones. It was the closest we got to a rave. When, when the, the, the order of magnitude zoom out to the scale of the observable universe and then the zoom ins to the inside of the human body and atoms themselves. Oh, yeah! Amazing. Tom's favorite bit. I'm, gonna say, I'm just going to say it. No, no, my favorite bit was the robot lady. And we're just passing new at Nigganoff! Nice new. We are in. <laughs> The evening. <laughs> the evening has come back. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, File a claim right on the State Farm mobile app and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Anytime fitness is for real people with real fitness goals. I mean, let's be honest. Most of us aren't training for marathons or half marathons or even half half marathons. Only time most of us are running at all is if we're trying to make a connecting flight. Wouldn't have been late if we didn't stop to buy a headphone dongle. Point is, you got to be ready. You do not want to deal with rebooking anytime fitness where real people help you make real progress join today and get a plan for training nutrition and recovery this episode is brought to you by etsy sound the gifting panic alarm you need to get an amazing gift wait no the perfect gift relax now you can use gift mode on etsy gift mode on etsy takes the stress out of gifting so you can find the perfect item for anyone and any occasion it's easy just tap or click gift mode on your Etsy app or Etsy.com. 
Then answer a few short questions about who you're shopping for and what they like. And Gift Mode instantly gives you curated gift ideas based on hundreds of personas. Now it's simple to find gifts made by independent sellers for all the people in your life. So whether you need a housewarming gift for the new homeowner or a birthday present for the pickleballer, Gift Mode has you covered. Need to find the perfect gift? Don't panic. Try Gift Mode on Etsy now. The very large cloakroom was a sort of a bit of a mix between municipal swimming pool and almost like a sort of GoldenEye location. And again, I've been very happy for you to do the business of dropping off all the coats, which required a complex system of jetons. And I'd done nothing beyond having the idea. I'd contributed almost nothing to the organisation of the gig and the trip. And that included just going and standing in the same place and watching the whole gig. And then we were chatting afterwards in the lobby, became aware that you'd been in the cloakroom for a while and that it was going to be a bit more congested post-gig in a gig experience, which was otherwise quite smooth. And then we got the text from you, which really conveyed your feelings of claustrophobia and fear. We went down and it was, obviously we weren't in exactly the same state. Some of what you described was there. <laughs> Some of it was still basically just to unlock your locker and pick up the coats and go upstairs again. <laughs> but it was crowded. I do feel like I kind of want to go back to Brussels and go back to that venue just to go into the lockers as a therapeutic process, just to realise that it, it actually isn't like a place where I might... Yeah, I, I got a strong feeling I wasn't going to exist anymore. It's really nice that you're already looking for more concerts to watch at the Ancien Belgique solely to sort of <laughs> close a circle anxiety-wise. <laughs> Which is a lovely project for a pod. Sort of, my name is Earl, but for <laughs> cannabis-based freakouts. <laughs> and then we went and had a drink at the Goupil Le Fol. Oh, that place! I forgot about that place completely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was amazing. It was like a cultured Belgian TGI Fridays but with like a real bric-a-brac selection of wall decoration veering from like your sort of classic Belgian cafe design and then also just a sort of an MLK poster next to like a kind of framboise yeah. picture. It was very eclectic decorations. It was one of those bars which felt brilliantly eccentric and full and vivid, but it kind of could have been designed by someone just sending someone to a, a vintage shop and saying, just get anything, just whack it like just as much <laughs> of the wall must be covered as possible. No, the walls were covered in loads of really interesting stuff, which I thought was really amazing. But there was an old man who did ask, like, what I was doing. Right. Not helpful, really. Which suggests that I was probably like, more amazed than an average person right, right, right. would be. And maybe it's not actually quite as amazing as I remember it to be. Yeah, that'll be part of your sort of Brussels going back over all of these old places. <laughs> he doesn't need to conquer that. He found it amazing at the time. There's no need to conquer old Precisely. Spaces. I don't want to go back there. There's no anxiety. There's just yours. I think you have to balance it out by settling old scores with the ancient bullshit. You've got to goopy la fault. You've got to go, if you're in Brussels, I would say the nook and cranny ratio of that. But there's, it's all nooks and crannies, that place. It's okay. great. Yeah, good luck sort of dancing in any sort of lobby space. <laughs> it's a big football game on. You want to look in the flat opposite Nuinish Nuvez. Yeah, it's a lovely place to be. You get a window seat. Uh, they turned us around very quickly. It was lovely to pass them on the way back. And then the following morning, just hargened us at Bruxelles Midi Station. We should just sum up all of us what our favourite song of the gig was and what we wish they'd played. Absolutely. Uh, Ivo will do his. Thank you very much. I, I think the new one, which on the record has, has Raconic of Vampire Weekend, obviously, was not able to join us live. But tonight, I thought it exploded into life. And it more than justified a review I read which said it was their best song since Wolfgang Amadeus Phoenix. And I don't know if that's recency bias, but I felt it at the time. And I think I turned around and I said that to you twice. <laughs> I was doing a lot of saying things loud, unrequested. I think I'd, another thing I tried to sort of trail about Phoenix as like a little breadcrumb of intrigue is that the lead singer is married to Sofia Coppola and there's a Phoenix song in pretty much every Sofia Coppola movie. And when they started playing the song Too Young early on, I think I'd actually said, and I'll probably be pointing out when those are played like a bit of a ball 
four. So then when they played too young, I remember saying, lost in translation, really, like a bit of trying to be a sort of bore about it, but it got no response from anyone. I thought, I think that's just been interpreted as my normal volume and tone. <laughs> I would hate that person if I was near him, just loudly. I quite quickly abandoned my decision to sort of do that for any remaining Coppola overlaps later in the film, although they did play Identical, which is on the pretty piss poor on the rocks. And that was my other favourite song of the week in tribute to producer Philip Zdar. And I wish they'd played. I mean, the song Consolation Prizes is a real cheery oldie for me, but that's less interesting. Yeah, Consolation Prize oh, sorry. Would, be, would be my... I, I, I don't know, but I, I just, I'm not as up to the Phoenix lore as you are. But yeah, Consolation Prizes was my wish they'd played. And... Fleur de Lis of Tiamo. <laughs> and my... Favourite of was Artifact off the new record. It's really a real banging chorus and very uh, Julian Casablanca's solo project, kind of harpsichord solos. Uh, in the Remind us of that devastatingly moving central lyric again, Alex. Uh, looking for an artifact. A part of me that's still intact. Oh, 32 years old, blazing at a Phoenix gig, thinking how many parts of me still intact. It's moving stuff. That must have resonated, Tom. I think that was just after the uh, halftime interval. <laughs> <laughs> that the harpsichord bit? No, there was a whole song on the sung at the sort of beginning of the second half post. It wasn't actually, I think it was pre-encore. They started the encore with the harpsichord bit, which included Fior de Latte, a song about mozzarella. Yeah, I remember someone next to me was getting really into that. <laughs> <laughs> I think that might have been me going, mozzarella. And <laughs> <laughs> which, which Sophia Coppola film's called Mozzarella. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, my favourite bit was the space bit, zooming in and out. So your favourite was the space bit. Yeah, that's lovely. Like and and the thing one. you would have liked more of is more of the space more bit. The space bit. <laughs> well, more NASA lies, 100%, yeah. My tedious knowledge of Phoenix's catalogue means that I'm, I'm already plotting Phoenix songs that would have served quite well. There's another long instrumental one on one of the other albums that would have been right up your street. Mm. But you can't spend the whole gig in space. No, that's fair. No. I think I did. <laughs> They've done the zoom in, zoom out. All they can do is they'd have to do another song where maybe it just moves around the world on the same latitude. Yeah. I Ooh! I don't mind that at the end of all. I know I should say the Friday Night Dinner song was my favourite moment, but actually that did provoke an existential crisis. <laughs> I thought I might cry, actually, because I was like, oh, it's 10 years of my life. Oh, what a great time that was. Oh, I miss it all so much. Oh, what am I doing with myself? <laughs> And everyone else is just like, four peaks out of five then? <laughs> For this profoundly sort of uh, stress and sadness filled experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah it moved the, me. It yeah. moved me. It was brilliant. No one else is getting that reaction from 1901. <laughs> <laughs> For most guests, it's what's your favourite song, but really we should be like, what was your favourite existential crisis you had? <laughs> yeah. You had the cloakroom uh, gummy fever. Yeah, I did have and then you had the multiple career, crises. Career 1901 sadness. That's the thing. It was brilliant, man. Thank you so much for inviting me. I had a really fantastic time, even if the music was incidental, as indeed it is. Yeah. <laughs> we'll probably also drop in some recording from the Eurostar we took on the way back. So that oh, yeah. It was an early start after a fun night in Brussels, and I think that's reflected. I don't think you'd struggle to tell apart the voice notes that were recorded immediately post-gig and the voice notes that were recorded on the Eurostar the next day. Any sort of uh, hungover post-gig thoughts just for this thing? I, I, the, the, the music seemed to be sufficient. Everyone inside the gig seemed to get listen to what they what they came for. Lots of smiling Belgian people. Very polite crowd, I thought. 
very, very polite crowd. Absolutely, no beer spilled on me or any kind of altercations whatsoever. My friend Ben, who saw them at Primavera, said his favourite bit is the song where they zoomed in from deep space down to quantum scale. People love the take. They love zooming in and out. It's, it's really fun. I, I'd you are right! Isn't the macro in a way the same as the micro? People love that take. Because when you zoom into the atom, it just looks like the universe again. That's the whole, that was the whole mind-blowing thing about it. It's like, isn't the subatomic a bit like the supermassive? No, it's true. It's like the DNA helix looks like cathedral windows. And when you can look at sounds on when they're on sand and you can uh, vibrate the resonance of like vowels and it makes patterns like cathedrals and like DNA and... Is this one of, one of the lectures you were able to... It's sacred geometry. Sacred geometry? Yeah, yeah the golden ratio and stuff like that. Yeah, this is another, what, another podcast. That's what Gaudi, if you go into the Gaudi Museum, it's all about him putting chains that are like hanging from two different points above a mirror. And then he looks in the mirror and then the shape that the reflection of that makes is the kind of sturdiest arch to make. So he like built his arches for churches by looking at the reflection of a mirror of dangling chains, because it naturally, it's a natural shape, but it's a, and it's an exponential curve in nature. Yeah. There are some people out there doing some really fantastic stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Ivo's recommendation this week is the, is the works of the Spanish architect Gaudi. I think it probably is actually. Yeah, absolutely. Should we go Barcelona? Yeah, Barcelona to watch the pigeon detectives. Yeah, I'll, I'll take crack. <laughs> <laughs> Which is a really yeah, our version of Cluedo internationally, where it's Tom Rosenthal with crack watching the, the pigeon detectives in Barcelona. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> okay, let's do a quick recommendation and a plug, maybe. Do you have an album or band or a particular festival or anything you'd like to recommend as a thing musically that people would like? I'm a huge drum and bass fan, and I have been to many hospitality events in my life and I plan to continue going to them. They're all across the country, but they have like big ones like hospitality in the park or hospitality in the woods. And I think even if you think drum and bass sounds really scary, yeah, sure, there's quite a lot of men that walk around without their shirts on, but they are the friendliest places <laughs> with the most resonant banging tunes that you feel in your gut mm. and your butt. And that's what I want from my music. Yeah. I really love them very much, and I can't wait to go to one soon. Just a recommendation of drum and bass as a genre. Yeah. Is that allowed? Pro gut and pro butt. I've been to those events with you, Tom. Uh, you very much uh, led that charge, and mm. I've always been grateful to be riding shotgun. I've got a less wide-spanning recommendation mm -hmm. of a song I've enjoyed, which, given an early idea for the same night when we were going to Phoenix was to watch Fontaine's DC in Nottingham. And it now looks like we're unlikely to see Fontaine's DC on certainly this tour cycle. Um, but there's, I think, a new song by Left Field featuring Green Chatton, lead singer of Fontaine's DC, which is a bit like listening to Fontaine's DC, but through a slightly more electro prism. And I've enjoyed it a great deal this week. What a great recommendation. Oh, thanks, man. I think my recommendation, the song that I can't get out of my head, is the song Just Us off the Soul soundtrack by Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross. I really love it because it's incredibly simple, beautiful, hypnotic piano number. And I think it shows that Trent Reznor, if you strip away the intense industrial and production stuff, is able to just write a really banging, beautiful, sweet melody that brings a fair amount of motion to my 
mind. You love your Resna. I love my Resna. As do I. And the, and the Watchmen soundtrack yes. is also very good, very intense. You work, time. you focus, you laser in, you listen to the social network, you feel like, maybe I'll change the internet. Um, you are changing the internet. You're creating gig pigs. Thanks, man. Uh, uh, yeah, a sub Tolstoy podcast. <laughs> We're creating gig pigs. We're putting on Hand Covers Bruise by Trent Reznor. Just listen to that at any point. <laughs> Run through the snow across Harvard and get back to your room and rank some women. <laughs> Thanks for coming to Belgium with us, Tom. Thank you for asking me to come to Belgium. I had a lovely time. And good luck. <laughs> Thanks, Tom. War and Peace is available in all good bookshops. <laughs> <laughs> so that was Tom Rosenthal. What a pleasure to get to watch Phoenix in Brussels with him and you. Episode four, first international episode, and I think probably the last one for a while. <laughs> but, yeah. but it'll happen again. Yeah, yeah, no, it's 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 an indulgence, and we knew that it was a real sort of we're starting a podcast. Let's. Give ourselves a treat immediately. That, 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 that classic logic. Let's maximise these expenses. Not in a financially cynical way. But y- y- you know what I mean. And there's been a continental flavour. We had a French guest last week and now we have a French band watched in the partly French-speaking world. Look at that lovely structure. <laughs> we continue to encourage correspondence with the Gigs Pigs podcast. I've said Gigs Pigs again. The Gigs Pigs podcast at gmail.com. He's an um, ambitious man. He wants multiple gigs and you can't floor him or fault him for that. Floor isn't a verb. You can, you can floor someone. You can fault me or floor me on a variety of fronts, including messaging geekpigspodcast.gmail.com to chase up money. But that isn't what the majority of the correspondence <laughs> we've had has been about. We've got a lot more to cover in future episodes and we'd welcome more, possibly inspired by this episode with questions such as, have you had fun seeing bands abroad? Uh, have you have you lamented that it's easier to travel or certainly cheaper to travel to see a band abroad than it is using the frankly pretty frustrating British rail system? Have you been blown away or underwhelmed by the visuals of a band at a gig? Yes, or just confused by them because you, you weren't ready to go that far into space or into the human skin. And particular associations with bars or restaurants adjacent to gigs that you've enjoyed, possibly that you've been enjoying so much that it's created an awkwardness about leaving them. Big shout out again to Nuit Nijnouf and the bar we went to afterwards, which was called... Oh, you'll have to reflect back in the episode for the name. I was barely comfortable with it at the time and I certainly wouldn't be comfortable now with a hazy memory. But yes, I would recommend that Brussels bar. It was very atmospheric. Shout out to Brussels in general, an important city with which we do well to maintain good times. <laughs> That's as political as it gets. It's never on, too late. This, it's never too late. Podcast. And the Extra Swill podcast and Spotify will continue to absorb these recommendations, including the Left Field and Green Chatton of Fontaine's DC song, which I didn't actually name. The song is called Full Way Round. But please do follow that playlist. Some A couple of people got in touch saying they found it difficult with the Spotify search algorithm to find it. I think it is officially called Gig Pigs colon Extra Swill. Yes. So if you're having trouble with just Extra Swill, whack a Gig Pigs in front of it. And also, as much as I love my green chat, and I think the big one for this one was talking about in terms of how much I know you love something, Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross, and just how absorbing it is to work or exercise or concentrate or do anything to any of their amazing soundtracks. 
Exactly. And Ivo bringing up the social network reminded me that I'd recommended another Jesse Eisenberg project, The Fantastic Fleischman is in Trouble. And uh, Ivo was very excited to watch it. And then he sent me what I would describe as quite a pass ag one minute video of him typing into his Disney Plus app, the letters F, L, E and so on through Fleischman. And, you know, we've all typed things on a TV streaming app and we know how laborious that process is i genuinely tried to speed up that video for you i tried to work out how i could make the video (laughs) faster Um, but nope sorry i thought he's not gonna have to watch all the way he'll get the point because i'd already told you i was you know the fleischman is on trouble on disney plus and we shouldn't be using this podcast for tech help but it's very much to me what gig pigs extra swill has been to a couple of our (laughs) listeners in that you say it's there i know it's there for other people but i haven't found it yet anyway you've taunted me that not only is it a superb adaptation of a book that i loved a couple of years ago but it's also got some great stuff about nostalgia which uh, obviously i'm v into <laughs> so shout out for midlife crisis disney plus television show fleischman is in trouble in addition to all of our other recommendations solid recommendations hopefully very enjoyable episode we've got lots more locked and loaded uh, coming forward so do please continue to enjoy gig pics Bye. You've been listening to Gig Pigs, a podcast by Keep It Light Media. Our photographs by the brilliant and patient Matt Strong. And our title music, and indeed the music playing right now, is by Foxes and Hedgehogs, whose album Brightest When It Sets I would heartily recommend. If you've enjoyed this, please like, subscribe, tell a friend, or email us at gigpigspodcast at gmail.com.